Welcome, everybody, to the second official episode of Texas State Spit Talk presented by the KTSW Sports Crew. Albeit we're missing a person today, guys. Reed isn't joining us because he's got to go and work up at the newspaper for the uh, Hayes County Free Press. But regardless, we still got Brendan. That was my intro. What's yeah. going on, guys? Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm trying to spring these on you. We got Mark. Good afternoon, everybody. <laughs> and we got Peyton. Hello, everyone. How are y'all doing? And, of course, I'm Riley Chestnut. And to start things off, tonight is the first official practice of fall camp for Texas State football. Along with that, soccer has started their preseason camp, which means that we are that much closer to the dawn of a new athletic year, ladies and gentlemen, here at Texas State in beautiful San Marcos. But, guys, what do you think will be some of the main priorities for football going into this first practice to start getting in shape for Rutgers in less than a month out in New Jersey? I think it's going to be a lot of, you know, Coach Withers, he preaches so much of getting his guys to, you know, buy into each other and build a relationship with his players. I think that's going to be one of his main focuses for the first first few days of camp. Uh, heard a lot about whenever ever Withers came over, he's playing a lot of music at practice in the fall camps to try to get the, uh, the morale up and everyone getting together. That's going to be kind of their main focus, you know, to work as one unit. Uh, that's just one of his big philosophies. Get him crunk. Yeah. <laughs> Get them crunk, get them excited, and you know, just have, have them in a good mood. You know, if you feel good, you're probably gonna play better. When did that When did that phrase become a thing? Because every time I think crunk, I think Emperor's New Groove. I don't think like a, a club rave or getting getting turned. I think, of, uh, I think of Lil John. Crunk. crunk. Yeah, I think crunk. Of Lil John from like the 2000s. Okay, yeah, get crunk. Okay, fair point. Fair point. Yeah, crunk. Sorry, they sound so similar. It's very similar. Yeah, but well, whatever I, the case. It's it's pull the lever crunk. Pull the lever crunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. But me, I personally believe that they should take it one practice at a time. Obviously, they have about roughly, I say, about between 15 to 20 practices prior to the first game. And uh, today, they're just going helmets and jerseys, no pads. So probably uh, something light today. They're probably going to go over a bunch of plays and how practice is going to stand out. And uh, I know the freshmen are new, so they're they're new to this, and they have a time. This is their time to shine. I guess they start wearing full pads within the next three to four days. I'm not. Yeah, they're probably going to get to it quickly. They'll be ready. Yeah. They'll be on top of it for sure. My thing is I think they need to adjust their playbook a little bit more. Uh, last year they kind of ran a lot of the same plays, to be honest. I'll so, be with little success. Yes, with little success. But uh, this year I think they're going to just these next three pa- or next three weeks of practice, they're just going to hammer on uh, learning the plays, building the plays. I know that uh, basketball get – like get like packets that they have to go through and study so i'm sure it's going to be something like that i remember one time i was out there for uh to interview after a post-practice last uh season and uh, they left one of the uh video rooms open and i actually snuck in there and looked at aj krosick's like defensive packet oh nice! i didn't take any pictures <laughs> but i wanted to see what it looked like i'm like mm. wasted opportunity these are a lot of x's and o's and i'm proud of myself i can understand them a little better now because football was never my strong suit the plays confuse me like a halfback draw, I understand what that is now. That that took a while and, and sad admittance. Of course, Mark, being a former football player, you probably got a better handle on this. And your analysis, I will say both of you are right on the head because they're focusing more on situational plays as opposed to the last two years where they're just trying to institute the attitude to go and execute. Like you got to be tough. You yeah. got to be mean. And now they're focusing on actual plays in certain situations and then you stole a line right out of Coach Withers' book, one practice at a time, because yeah, he doesn't true, like to look very far ahead. And that's what he'll tell us when we ask him, so how do you see the plan going forward? And he's like, mm, we're, it's one practice. We're focused on the next day. 
that's about it. percent true. That's like the, I, I believe that's the best method because uh, if you look too far ahead of time, it'll just put too much pressure upon the players mm-hmm. and the coaches. So yeah. some people like to perform under pressure. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like you took that <laughs> straight from the uh, the book of Belichick. Book of Belichick. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, yep, have a gr- have a great relationship with your your former third string quarterback, and then uh, watch him take the TB12 method right in your face. We're focused on Cincinnati this week. Yeah. Of which, isn't that interesting? I keep forgetting because uh, we were at the All-Staff yesterday, but the first official preseason NFL game went on the air, and it was Baltimore versus versus the Browns. The Bears. The Bears. The Bears. The yeah. Bears. Da Bears. Da Bears. Da Bears. Da Bears. Chicago. Chicago. Really good game, actually. I, I, I assumed we would get into that later because I was pretty yeah. – I was into that. It was pretty exciting just yeah. to see football back on my, t- on my TV. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. definitely interesting. And look, time. look at that. We're already five minutes in, and so I'm going to pull off a random topic here to give us a – a little side piece to discuss. Of course, we're going to go around the table, each share a topic we think is going to be interesting to talk about. And All right, tying in with Texas State football, they got a TV deal for five games this season on a sister network from KXAN called KNVA-TV. Now, we take a look at this, and Brendan already had it pulled up, so I'm glad I'm reading ahead here. Will this be a better deal overall for the fans because it gives them a chance to watch this team a little more like a – like more exposure – but will it also tie in or will it be better for recruiting players? Because, you know, these TV deals can be kind of a sweetener for these players to come to these schools. I mean, that's why Texas A&M left the Big 12, you remember, to go to the SEC because UT 100%. was getting a TV deal. Yeah, Longhorn Network. And it's like, yep. that's unfair. You can recruit kids by basing it off. They're going to play on their own network. Yeah. And now the Bobcats, albeit they just get five games, and it's not like we're getting our own Bobcat network here. We're the best thing they got right now. But still... It's something to entice the players. Like, you're going to play on TV. I think it's really exciting just from being a fan the past couple of years that I wasn't able to watch those games unless you have it some way of streaming or pulled up like that. But now you can you can go to uh, any bar on the square probably, and they're going to have the game for you, and they should have the game for you. You know, it's right down the it's street. It's Texas State's town. Exactly. Like, Texas State owns this town. They should have – all games playing in every single restaurant, bar, wherever they could possibly get it, but they can't because of the restrictions and nobody wants to film a 2 and 10 And, and especially, <laughs> uh, I was, I'm thinking more at the the new startup, you know, ESPN Plus and yeah. how that's become a thing. That's what supposed, are those? That's, that's supposed to focus more on, you know, these smaller games so you can get those if you pay for that subscription. They know no, we're broke college kids, right? Yeah, I mean, we're broke yeah. college kids and I had a train of thought, but I kind of lost it, but... Yeah, you know, just a lot of people aren't going to be using that. This gives people, you know, the local people a better reason reason to watch their games. Uh, you talked about the recruiting, uh, Riley, uh, athletic director Larry Tice even commented on that. He said, "quote This helps give give our football program an entire university more notary to potential recruits, high school students, and college football fans throughout Central Texas." So he's seeing that, you know. High school students, you see, oh, we have to be on TV, blah, 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 this and that. It, it definitely, nothing negative can come out of this. I want to take the moment to thank Brendan for getting the closest thing to a quote from Larry Tice that we've ever had in my time here. So uh, good reporting there, Brendan. I'm happy for that. Good job, good job, yeah. Shout out to the TXABobcats.com. Hoorah. Hoorah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess uh, it can, yeah, like we said, it's not a negative thing. Anytime you can get a nice TV deal, and these are going to be games broadcast again off of KXAN out of Austin, which of course has UT territory written all over it. So if we can get a bit of a following going in Austin, maybe it could lead the way and trickle back down to these areas closer around us. In which, this isn't just some, some random super small station playing this. It's 
uh, Austin's NBC affiliate. Mm. Uh, and you know, you said the sister station, it's their CW. Yeah. Everyone has, you know, the CW in your CW. local pack and your local packages. So that's where these games will be broadcasted in the Austin area. Mm-hmm. Especially this is division one FBS. So I believe this should be, uh, quite a bit of a more following, especially after this new program, uh, under effect. Yeah. And it's going to start with the, uh, the first home game of the year against Texas Southern sponsored by HEB. I always love saying that. <laughs> by the way, uh, Texas State Spit Talk is sponsored by nobody. So yet, yet, <laughs> we're getting there. Yeah, we're we're pure. We're pure. Dang it! But uh, whatever the case, it sounds like we're we're all in agreement here. There's really no bad way to look at this TV deal. It starts off at five games. If this team gets better, who's to say it can't go for all twelve? Maybe eight. Maybe it trickles up. Maybe it it adds on a little bit more. All I oh. feel all I feel is as long as Brand and Bill don't get displaced out of the radio booth, I'm gonna be happy. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna talk about list off the five games. You guys tell me, you know, which game maybe intrigues you guys the most and might be the most important for this TV deal. So like Riley said, the home opener against Texas Southern on September eighth, the first conference home game against Louisiana on October sixth, the New Mexico State non conference clash on October twenty seventh, additional conference tilts that are both scheduled three PM kickoffs against Appalachian State on November tenth, and Arkansas State on November twenty fourth. I think having that App State game a big one. Mm. App State puts players in the NFL. They're one of the better programs in the Sun Belt. You know, if maybe people in the area are tuning into App State to see them and you know, you know, catching some Texas State stuff. Like, imagine if that App State game we had to open conference was broadcast last year. I know we lost by six inches, and again, Coach Withers said that he would have gone for the win if they got that touchdown. But whatever the case, if that game was broadcast last year and these people saw what Texas State wasn't just a pushover anymore. I feel like that could have helped us a little bit more. So, yeah, I'm kind of in agreement with you there. I want the Appalachian State, out of all the games being broadcast on TV, to be the most exciting because it has the most weight to it in that if we can beat App State, at least making competitive, and we nearly beat them last year with a 2-10 and team, imagine what we'd be if we roll into that contest. Because it's a late-year game, isn't it? Like later on in the season? November 10th. November 10th. So, yeah, at that point, they'd, they'd be a couple weeks in. They'd... If they get three or four wins by then, then maybe this thing gets a little more interesting. But uh, what about you guys? Flipping it around, say we don't perform very well this year. Let's let's just, Again. Let's just put that out there. Very possible. Um, and we go into Appalachian State, and we totally just get dominated. I feel people turning in on a TV, and like it makes more people aware of, wow, they really got beat. Compared to if they weren't on a network, then... I'm sure a lot more people would not know the score. Yeah, you you wouldn't know the Texas State score unless you were watching ESPN for an hour straight and you just kept reading the bottom line ticker. Yeah. Eventually, it's going to come across. Or you have them on like exactly. ESPN app. Or you're not even going to get stats from it. You're just going to get the score and it's going to be on to the next one. Uh, so, yeah, this definitely does put you know a spotlight on Texas State and you know maybe a little bit more incentive to play a little bit better. It's going to be a crunch time situation. Mm. I believe, uh, well, homecoming, that'll be a – big deal especially when they're playing against New Mexico State because I know last season they only lost by 10 points it was 45 to 35 if I'm it, correct. Was, it was a close one though. let me yeah. double check on that let's see here yeah continue on what you were why do you oh, think yeah. that game's going to be important yeah it was a uh, you're right 10 points 45 to 35 and it's also homecoming so I feel like the attendance is going to be like off the roof compared to all the other games which, which would be big for a TV spot. yeah it and should then, be and I feel like the players will be highly motivated especially with this new program where they can you know, take it one game at a time and say we start off pretty good and I'll build up momentum. So I feel like the team, if they build up more momentum and use Coach Withers' teachings, hopefully they 
implant that in their brains and, you know, just utilize it when they're on the field. So I personally believe that homecoming will be a huge deal for the 2018 season. Mm -hmm. What I'm really scared about is I'm glad we're not going to put the at Troy game on TV. Naturally, these are all home games only, but I'm glad we're not facing Troy with a TV schedule in our face. This is true. Because last year, of course, to end the season, they whooped us 62 to 9. And I don't want to think about that. I'm not going to bring it up again. We're, we're, we're moving on from that. But, uh, yeah, it's a good deal because look at this. Look at all these TV games that the Bobcats get, at least in some capacity. First game of the year at Rutgers, Big Ten Network. First home opener, Texas Southern, KNVA, ESPN3, and, of course, on the radio. Then, of course, you have ESPN Plus for when they go to South Alabama to take on the Jaguars. ESPN Plus when they go visit UTSA down in the Alamo Dome. Also get a ESPNU for Georgia Southern. Hmm. And isn't that interesting? And then, of course, Louisiana, back home, family weekend, KNVA, ESPN3. Why did my voice crack? Well, I don't know. Well, one thing really intrigues me about this also is, you know, what they're going to do with commentators. Are, are these going to be Texas State guys? You know, I imagine since they're Texas State station, not real station, but they're broadcasting Texas State games. I expect them to be kind of Texas State, you know, a little bit more homers because, you know, let's say I didn't make it to a game last year or whatever. If you're watching the game on ESPN3, uh, over the past few years, you know, it's these neutral guys, but none of these guys, you know, report for the Bobcats. They don't know much about the Bobcats. It's just whatever information they can find, and it seems a little lopsided. So it'll be nice to see, you know, a little bit more of a homer TV broadcast. I mean, they're taking they're taking the reporter that Brandon Bill got to use during radio broadcast last year to make her the sideline reporter for the KNVA deal, Megan Birdsong. And, of course, uh, they've already listed the names, the two guys coming aboard, David Saltzman, Keith Moreland. And Megan Birdsong, that, that'll be the trio that'll be doing those five home games for us on KNVA. So I expect they'll have some knowledge or at least a good amount of knowledge. I mean, these are professionals. They know how to get knowledge and do their job. But again, they're from up the area. So I think they, well, yeah, they're going to try and present it. Yeah, these are guys who get to, you know, might, might be at practice tonight probably. Yeah. Unlike when you get an ESPN guy, there's no way they went to any practices except for the practices of the week before. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping they would play Coastal Carolina this year, but it looks like that's not going to happen. No, we don't need no easy fits. We don't need no easy fits. We got to earn our keep now. I'd argue that. We do. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take the free wins. In year three, this is the year that you got to step up both in schedule and in play. And to have a schedule like this that's a little more difficult, I feel like it's going to help them. We, or show us just how far down this team can be. This is Let's true. hope not. Yeah, let's hope yeah. not. Let's hope they're farther up than, than we give them credit for. Maybe now that they're learning actual is, situational football – then we'll see a difference. Because, again, the first two years, they're just trying to institute an attitude. Like, go after every play. Be aggressive. Don't give up. And if they haven't given up at this point after winning only four games the first two years, guts to them. I feel like this could be a turnaround. Very persistent. Yeah. But uh, now, let's go on to a, a different topic. Uh, I see Payton. Or, I already got it. Yeah, he's already got a sheet out. So, <laughs> what you got? All righty. Well, with Scoggins and a majority of players returning, can we expect – women's soccer to have an even more memorable season than last year's 10 and 6 and tied one game record they're 8 and 2 in the conference what do you think hmm. interesting well uh personally my opinion on soccer is yes we have a majority of returners coming back of course they lost a few big players along the way Chandler Cooney mm. the kind of a benchmark on the defensive side of the ball and then of course Cassie Ormuth and Rachel Grout are two leading scorers but we still return a good a good wealth of experience and I feel like at this point, Kat Connor can make a winning team out of Tupperware. Well, yeah. She founded she this is. program. They're in year 20 now, and she's just great. She knows how to make a winning soccer team. I mean, there's only been, I believe, 
two seasons in her entire career at this point where she had a losing conference record. That's a and, that's uh, a star-studded record. Yeah. Kind of quote. Uh, looks like it looks like they're going to start off pretty well because uh, going off of what Coach Connor have stated, uh, I quote: "The players brought a a lot of good energy, good vibes, and we're ready to work hard and learn. Right now, we are trying to get their brains to think as fast as their feet. And overall, overall, everybody is healthy and moving well. I think it has been a good day, and now we are looking to add on tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Makes One practice sense. at a time. Yep." Camp is ready. They're they're jazzed. I mean, they're the 20th edition of Texas State soccer in history. So that's always a nice moniker to hold for, especially Cat Connor. It's a big confidence boost. Yeah. I mean, I remember interviewing Cat Connor and the fact that she said when she took this job, she thought it'd be like a two-year plug to something bigger. And she was ready to move on. And then they convinced her when President Trout came in that, no, we will take athletics seriously and we're going to get you the facilities and the treatment you deserve. And she's been here ever since. So I guess the the treatments work from Denise Trout, no matter what your opinion is of her in other areas. I guess you can say that athletic, she's been doing a pretty good job making sure these coaches stick around. Do you think they'll ever give the soccer girls a bigger stadium? Mm. The field they play on isn't just, it's not just A1 or anything. It's kind it's of set out of the way. It, it, yeah. it, it doesn't. It looks like a practice exactly. field. Exactly. It doesn't have the big feet. You know, I, mm. I don't know what to expect, honestly, from, you know, college soccer stadiums. And the only way to get attendance up is to have more seats just so, you know, if more I mean, space too. Yeah, yeah. There's only like what, three uh like benches, like but they're like six rows up. Oh my bad. Uh there's only they're like six rows up, um, which can only fit not even 500 people is, 500 the, is the people? capacity at yeah, the maximum that soccer complex. Wow. And I don't know if you guys saw. You I didn't know, know that. I went to, you know, I was at a handful of games last year. Uh, sometimes, you know, those bleachers fill up a little bit and they mm-hmm. pull out some extra bleachers that they bring out down the side around mm-hmm. the ways. You can sit against the wall down there mm-hmm. pretty much right against the field. Because it's it's free admission. Anyone can come in. Oh, yeah. No oh, one wow. is paying any tickets. You just come in, watch a soccer game, and you can even sit you, right on the edge, right next to the field, just watch for, you, for any well, foul I mean, balls. Surprisingly, you see people out there pretty much tailgating it on the uh, on the back side what is it what is that the uh past the, the, the ivy the, the west side of right next to the wreck the stadium yeah mm-hmm. uh, yeah down oh, there by the street uh, that small street with the dorms of uh where they do Blanc- home, blanco homecoming. angelina and all that yeah you, where uh, you live right oh well, i live uh like more down towards well, sesame okay street, never mind i'm saying that, that street on the other side you'll see an rv out there sometimes they'll have cookouts and stuff like that I remember mm-hmm. being up there calling a game on a Sunday night, and I could look down, and they had a TV, they had a flat screen TV out there playing the Sunday night football game that night of oh, nice. Seattle and Detroit. Really cool. So it's a pretty fun environment out there, and you know, yeah, if they were consistently, you know, filling mm-hmm. these stands, I could see, you know, them trying to make some type of renovations for them. It's not a bad location. It's just like it just looks like a practice field that I would want to go play like soccer on. Personally. I like I like the setup. I like the ivy grass especially. It makes me think of Wrigley because mm-hmm. it, it adds a nice little touch. Of course, I do agree that the location isn't as uh, pristine being right next to the Student Recreation Center. Mm-hmm. It feels like it, it's a part of the Recreation Center. And I'm sure people can go there and, and play soccer if they wanted to, which is great. But I'm not sure if you're actually allowed on that field. Okay, well, then maybe not. Yeah. I okay, think, so maybe it's, it's a little. Restricted. Okay, good. Good. It should be. For the it's, rugby, Quidditch, and soccer. Yeah, it should be. It's their field. Mm-hmm. They go and practice on oh, it. Oh, and lacrosse. Yeah. Yeah, I see. I noticed that too. But with all these club teams, you know, you would think they would have like maybe like one extra area. A little more separation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anywho. Like, uh, but Mark, did you want to take a stab at it? Take a stab at these questions or what? Uh, which ones? What? Oh, just like the generic questions. 
Oh, the uh, generic question. Generic questions of what we just been talking about. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I would say I would agree with Brendan when it comes to, uh, I guess, think about it. You have uh, free tickets, so you don't have to worry about paying for it. So that that right there should have leave no excuse. Say the team because the team is pretty good. So that should leave no excuse, in my opinion, to not show up. If you have free time, you might as well go. It's free. I mean, you can't really beat that. And then. Apparently, it says uh, parking will be available at Spec Garage, Spec Street Parking Garage. Yeah, right next to it. And uh, I mean, there is limited spaces, but like the garage is pretty big. It's big enough, and especially if there's a maximum capacity of just 500. 500, yeah. Um, it should be fun. I mean, I mean, why not? I mean, the team is. I mean, the team is. They're successful. really good. Yeah, why They're not? Really good. Yeah. Really good. In fact, of course, they uh, they start their year exhibition game at Incarnate Word before they they start their first official game on the road in in Ruston, Louisiana, against Louisiana Tech, and then, of course, the home opener, August 19th, Sunday at 7 p.m. versus UTSA. If that doesn't get them a good crowd, I don't know what yeah, will. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's before school starts, so you might as well show up. And, yeah, they yeah. get a few <laughs> other big matchups this year. Of course, they're going to go to LSU to take on the Tigers. That's going to be a fun one. That'll be August 26th at 1 p.m. on a Sunday. So, yeah, keep up with the stats Ooh, online over here. LSU would be a, that's a – that's probably a really good game. And the UT game is – what three games after that one? Yeah, actually two games after it, two and games. and that's after they uh, they go out to Corpus Christi to take on the Islanders, uh, to Texas A and M Corpus Christi, and then they they go out to Prairie View to take on Prairie View A and M. So uh, two kind of low key games there, but then they they go out to Austin to take on the Texas Longhorns before pulling it back in with a, a home game versus ULM, and that's going to be the the start of their Sun Belt Conference slate. Then they'll have one final non conference game against Houston. Baptist out in Houston, and then the rest of the way, it's Sunbelt time, baby. Yep. Time so to break it down. It's yeah. going to be good. Yeah, it's going to be good. But uh, I feel like we've run our course on that topic, and now that we see we got 38 minutes left. So, uh, Mark, you got any topics you want to talk about? Well, uh, you know, my main topic was football, but we already, uh, we already ran it down. So I mean, anything Texas State's up for grabs here. All right, let's see. So going off – I guess we can go back to it for a little bit. So going off the depth chart, do you agree on uh, – I guess the, would you agree that Dennis Smith Jr. should start at corner uh, knowing that he was a receiver last season? You mean Dennis Johnson? That's what I meant, Dennis Johnson. I'll be in for Dennis Smith Jr. starting. Yeah, yeah, my, yeah, mistake, right. my mistake, my mistake, my mistake. Little, uh, little uh, mistake right there. But do you believe that Dennis Johnson should start as a corner? Or what are your thoughts on that? Mm. I mean – was he a wide receiver last year? He sure was. He wasn't even starting either. He was a second mm. string. But, like, I think he might have started towards the last. Honestly, start. the only reason that they would even switch him is because he's probably just, like, pretty aggressive on the field. Uh, excuse me. Sorry. I'm having a little uh, allergy problem today. But, uh, no, yeah. I would. I think he has the hands. He's got the, he's got the talent to catch. But he has that extra little oomph. Uh, it, it's kind of like a – He's almost kind of like a Chris McAllister. Uh, Chris McAllister played wide receiver in high school, and then when he got to college, his college coach was like, yeah, you're pretty good at hitting, so we're going to move you. And he became one of the greatest cornerbacks of all time. But and Apparently, uh, Coach Withers uh, claimed that he was pretty aggressive mm-hmm. and he had quick feet. So he has a, he's, I wouldn't say he's a ball hawk yet because we don't really have any film on him at that position, but uh, he has the capability. Does he got good hawk. hands too? He sure you'd does. Assume. All right. Well, I can think of one major reason why Coach Withers would want to move a wide receiver to a defensive back spot playing corner, 
And that's because last year the secondary had no interceptions at yeah. all. Yeah. And that's the first time Coach Withers ever had a team that he was around that didn't have any picks. So I feel like this is kind of a mixed response of we're going to move one of the wide receivers over. He's got aggressive touch. He's He's got good feet. He's got good hands, I assume, being that he played wide receiver. Now he's going to be switched up. He's a senior. He knows how to get the job done. What can hurt? What can hurt? And he's pretty tall, too. He's about 6'3". 6'4". Oh. I, I will take that any day of the week. 185 pounds gives him some good strength. So hopefully this move on a wide receiver shifting to D-back is going to help bring some interceptions in for the secondary. Because by God, if they don't get any interceptions, I'm going to be low-key very upset. Yeah, you and everyone else on that football team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, And we do have a lot of young players that are – Starting apparently, uh, especially for the quarterback position, Willie Jones. Same deal. Third, yep. Same deal as last year. We're one of the youngest teams in the nation. So that see that right there should produce like all kinds of uh, you know improvement. Yeah. Because uh, you have if you have young players that are starting as of now, you know, two years down the road, maybe say say we hopefully have a successful season this year, and then it'll only get better from there. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Grandmaster Brendan? I'm thinking you know they're they're moving an athlete like that. Uh, and Dennis Johnson, two corner, Coach Withers and those defense back coaches, defense coaches have good reason to. Like we said, the secondary last year wasn't good, didn't get any picks, and it's not just that. You know, a lot of times, you know, they were struggling. They went up against some tough teams. You know, some t- some good receivers out there, more experienced receivers. And you know, like we said, against an unexperienced secondary, so they're trying to get guys back there. You know, try to get some playmakers out there, and I think that's one way to do it. You get an, uh, you know a big time athlete like that. You know, get him working on his mechanics, his hips hip movement and all that so we can play a defensive back spot, generate some turnovers and, you know, win some football games that way. I'm, I'm in for the move. You know, I don't see – if he struggles, you know, it's kind of ne- next guy up is I'm pretty sure the mentality that they have out there and, you know, they're out there trying to make plays and trying to prove trying to prove themselves. Yeah. I mean, you look at the numbers last year. Of course, uh, the cornerbacks coach, Jules Montanari, is also the special teams coordinator, two areas that are – desperately needed for Texas State to yeah. get better at anything at all. So we just need a different coach. No. No. Well, no, actually <laughs> I like Montanar, he's he's I'm pretty reliable. Scared. I mean he used to coach at Alabama and one of the best programs in the country. There so you go. and he's one of our best recruiters. Yeah. Like a lot of the recruits, the big ones you see recruited by on two four seven, they say Montanar slash jewels. So this dude knows how to bring in players. And There's yeah. Like the, the sweet talking. Yeah, the sweet talking. You need you need that guy that can oh, go yeah. out and, and make the player feel comfortable. Exactly. Because if they're really good, but they're not comfortable with the coach they have. They're not going to be able to produce the way they want to because the coach can't get what they need to out of them. But going back to Mr. Montanar, again, it'll be his first season as the special teams coordinator. So you see a lot of shifting in uh, smaller schools like uh, G5 schools like this where mm-hmm. they shift players and even coaches around to different positions. I remember that uh, Ron Antoine, our wide receivers coach, now going into year two doing that. He was a, he was a tight end and a running backs coach a couple of years back whenever Withers first came here. So it's really about finding the right fit both on the field and on the sideline. But as you can see, the numbers last year, we were top 40 in rushing defense, allowing 141.7 yards per game. We were 43rd as bad as our defense could be at times giving up first downs. Our third down defense was pretty decent, 36.1% conversion rate. So that's something to build off of. We were 43rd in the nation on that. So there's hope there. They've got the pieces. They've just now got to put them in the right spots and teach them how to play winning, winning football. Last year their defense was good. This year their defense is better. And it I has the potential I to think be they're better. trying to build off of that. Um, you know, 
old saying, offense wins games, defense wins championships. championships. That's how it go. Lots of uh, veterans on defense as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, always. Defense, mm-hmm. ever, ever since we got here, ever since I got here, it's always been about the defense. Everything, men's basketball and football, defense is what's going to carry them. But on top of that, speaking of carries, football, of course, their offensive game plan is going to be unlock the running game. Oh, we need that. We yeah. Need that. If we can get the running game going, passing won't be as big of an issue or a thing to focus on. Not that they won't, but you won't have to worry about it as much. Well, with that, what do you guys think? Because, you know, you can see it one of two ways. Team, Some teams use the pass first to open up the run. Some teams use the run to open up the pass. Your Texas A, obviously, you're trying to use the run to open up the pass. Mm-hmm. You know, how much are these teams going to come out, you know, week one, week two, and... You know, respect Willie Jones' throwing ability. You know, we haven't seen him throw much. We haven't seen too much out of him. So they're gonna come out. I think teams are gonna come out stacking the box early. And yeah. Willie Jones is gonna have to make some throws to clear up some space for his running backs. Oh, yeah. Is he gonna be able to do that? I think some play action is like it's a modern thing now in most football schemes, professional or college. The play action opens up opportunities. You get to drop back deep. Offensive line, it's gonna be improved, but it still might be a little shaky because they're still bringing in a few starters at the depth chart, as we saw, like. Tate Heitmeyer is a name we don't know about. Didn't ever get to see him play much. Yeah, he redshirted uh, apparently last season. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be a, a big deal that this offensive line continues to improve. But these play-action passes can open up space in the backfield and allow Willie Jones to scan. And then uh, as far as running backs, like Anthony Taylor, he's obviously a veteran on offense. So he knows he knows the plays 100%. So he knows what he's doing. He also has to follow hopefully the old line can open up some holes for him good enough so he can make some cuts. So I feel like the inside run will be very, very important mm-hmm. And as far as the outside run because, like, you know, you can use play action for that, and that will fix up the uh, – well, actually confuse the defense, in my opinion. Game plan, yeah. whatever side Aaron Brewer's on, run that way. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I, I just – right here, if Willie Jones or whoever ends up, you know, solidifying the QB spot can be anywhere decent. You know, Damian Williams last year – you know, he came in and he tried. He just didn't have a good year. It's, it's, it was that simple. He had a terrible start. He, he didn't have, yeah, he did, he did start getting a little bit better later, especially he started throwing the ball a lot more. In the Sunbelt uh, games, when we got more competitive, a lot of that was because of him. And that's why I want to see, you know, we have a bunch of veteran receivers. Our receiving core not worried about. We have a committee of running backs that we feel good about. Offensive line, we've been feeling better about each of the past three seasons. If they perform like last year, then they're going to get toasted. Exactly. <laughs> the, the defense, we talk about, you know, our defense is pretty solid. Mm-hmm. It all comes down to that quarterback spot. If, that quarter, if our quarterback doesn't have to be a, su- doesn't have to be a superstar. Okay? We don't he doesn't need, even have to be a leader. We, he doesn't have to be Aaron Rodgers. We, no. we need someone that can you know, manage the game, not turn the ball over. That was one of Damian Williams' problems. He turned the ball over, I think, every single game, at least once every single game also last season. An interception a day. Yep. And so they can get something going just with a decent quarterback, taking care of the ball, moving the chains, making some of these easy throws. Texas State can really improve and be a, a much more decent team than you expect. Yeah, I agree. And uh, sorry, I cut you off there, Penny. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. Okay. I was just saying also a credit to the O-line, all those turnovers, because like you were saying before, those, uh, those play actions will open up space. But also if you don't have the people to hold back the defensive line for at least, you know, like – a second or two, then that play action's going nowhere but like five yards back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um it's kind of a risk. And it, I'm it, sure it is a risk. A play I'm action always is, but it's a great tool to use to fake out just like one or two players are gonna miss that every single time. Especially if you use the screen, like the running back screen and if you use like mm-hmm. the X or Y re- receiver, like the X receiver and the Y receiver screens, it'll 
open up some one or two defensive yeah. players are going to mess up every single time yep. on that and you but he has to be good enough to find it within that half a second or that one second that he's going to get in the pocket so um it depends how much scouting they do too well this let's see yeah definitely uh, i really think that's gonna be the focus they're not gonna tell willie hey you, you don't have to go out there get 300 yards three touchdowns no yeah go out there go for 200 yards have a you know a 60 percent plus completion percentage move the chains don't turn the ball over just make some passes I'm so glad I know what X out means now. I'm so happy I know XYZ receivers. Small yeah. developments. I, I'm giving myself a mini victory here. But, uh, uh, Brendan, do you have any topics you want to discuss? I was going to touch more just, you know, they kind of came out with some uh, preseason top 25, Sun Belt standings, stuff like that. You know, the Sun Belt in the East Division, they have it pretty much. It comes down to Troy and Appalachian State. Of course. Yeah. Uh, then, the two, then the two Georgia schools and then Coastal Carolina uh, filling out the bottom of the East Division. In the West Division. Arkansas State, they expect uh, pretty clear favorites in the West really? for Arkansas State. And then ULM and ULL will fight for that second spot. Then South Alabama, then they have Texas State at the bottom. It intrigues day. me. Arkansas State, man, uh, their quarterback, Hanson, he's good. He was named uh, to the Walter Camp Award watch list. Arkansas and, State Red Wolves? Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, just, I'm sorry, it's Justice Hanson. That's his name. Uh He's elected to the 2018 Walter Camp Award watch list. A group of 50 players have been uh, get put on that list early in the season. It cuts down to about 20 in, in November. And what that award is, it's the 2018 Player of the Year. They, 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 there's a lot of hype in Justin Hansen. He had a good year last year. And it's going to be tough, you know, for Texas State to make some noise in the West when they have a quarterback like that. Uh, oh, yeah, he's definitely uh, – he's a junior college player too. Um, he started off at the University of Oklahoma – Transferred to a junior college. And That's a junior college? No, he started off yeah. at OU, and then he transferred to a junior college. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So he's he basically a four – it's called the 4-2-4 plan, according he, to NCAA. He, he was yeah. a Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year last year. He's thrown a touchdown in 17 consecutive games. He finished last season among the nation's top 20 candidates for the Johnny United's Golden Arm Award. Not bad. While setting a single-season Arkansas State and Sunbelt Conference mark for touchdown passes with 37. So, in essential, he's pretty good. Like, he is – he's pretty good. So okay. what you're saying is our defense is going to take him out, right? Is that it, what you're coming back it, around it, to or not? <laughs> I mean, I already know they're going to overemphasize him. They're going to I already know the defensive coordinator is going to definitely Uh yeah. yeah. But that's their that's their game of plan and it probably has been for the past year, you know. And they haven't they, really been able to No, and they yeah. still can't stop him, so they're going to We'll see. They I have to figure something out. I mean, if you couldn't stop him the year the pre- previous two years, come on now. I mean, you should be able to make a what makes me feel good is, is that that's one of the last games of the season. If not, I don't have the schedule pulled up, but I know that game. It's the last game it's of the last year. Ga- yeah, last game of oh, the year. So the team should be nice and ready, you know. So imagine this hypothetical. We have a, a year that no one expected, like at all, even us. And we go no, into that game. It's us between Arkansas State and automatically they are going. This is an unofficial SBC West championship game to see who gets to represent the West in the actual conference championship game. Like at that point. You have Willie Jones. He surprises the heck out of everybody. He's got the same build. He's only a little skinnier. And, of course, he's probably going to be more of a, a draw option kind of quarterback as opposed to Justice Hansen who can throw in the pocket. But I I have high hopes in this regard that while I look at Justice Hansen and I see, of course, he, he's the face of the Sun Belt right now because he's, he's the best quarterback. He's the guy I want to keep, I'm going to be excited to keep up with this year. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Until he plays us. <laughs> in which case, these kinds of players – what I've learned over the course of it all is you don't try and stop them. You can only contain them. Like, you eliminate their options. That's the beauty of football. It's more than just the quarterback. Like, if the receivers can't get open, 
and he can't scramble out of it because the defense is actually blocking off all the routes, then he's just as human as anybody. So I feel like if Texas State does everything right, knows how to approach the situation with Justice Hansen in that he can throw out of the pocket, keep your eyes on him. We got guys like Brian London that can do that. We got nose tackles that can rush him like Savion Patton and Sammy Awad. And then, of course, uh, Jacquel Pierce, a former offensive lineman now playing D-line who's apparently beginning rave reviews from Coach Withers. I feel like the sky can be the limit and that we can actually compete with a team like Arkansas State. And if we can't, well, then it's just another year down the tube. Try again next year. I, I kind of like that for the to go ahead and just wrap up. You know, like yeah, at least the Texas, our Texas State portion. That was a yeah, exactly right. Ending. Definitely go off a of Withers game plan. Yeah, one practice at a time, one game at a time. That's not till the last game, so they have plenty of time to get ready for that. Yeah. So now we got uh, we got 23, 23 minutes left. Really, that that's the most we can go. We can stop any time between forty five to to an hour. I personally, we can go as long as we need to. But uh, well, to, do you want to run through some like national topics real quick? Yeah, we could. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Do you got one? Uh, let me see here. Oh, I tore it. <laughs> uh, let's see here. No, that's still Texas State soccer. Yep, sorry, folks. We're going through the topic. So, uh, guys, what, what's been the craziest part of your well, of your sports experience this week? Well, you know, just go ahead and open up with the uh, Hall of Fame game last night. Hall of Fame uh, game. I, I, okay, I know what yeah. you're thinking, Peyton. We're going to come uh, to that. Yeah, we'll, yeah just we'll, go to me last. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that I, here I, in a I, second. I read, I read your mind. I know what you want to get to. We will. Yeah, uh, yeah the Hall of Fame game last night. You know, it's a simple, you know, it's there. Uh, it just kind of opens up the season. The game doesn't really mean much, but it was two teams, Bears and Baltimore, that, you know, us here in Texas, it's like, what? Bears and Baltimore? Well, they're not going to contend. <laughs> we know that. It was Bear, a good game. It, 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 it was it, a really good game. It was a solid game, and especially getting to see what everyone wanted to see, the hype of Lamar Jackson. Which wasn't very hype. Yeah, yeah, it was you know, okay. Yeah, for, for, uh, first preseason game, can be too upset. It was just nice to see football again. Uh, saw RG3 out there in the first half. You know, he's... He didn't do too bad. He, he's trying to get, you know... I he, feel good for RG3. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he went, I do too. It's about time he started to... I think Lamar Jackson's going to learn a lot from him. Now especially, I think what's going to happen is they're going to keep RG3 for the preseason because, mm-hmm. you know, you need like three quarterbacks. And, you know, they told RG3, hey, you come on, kind of help with Lamar Jackson. We'll give you a chance to prove yourself on the field in the preseason and... For you, go to another team because I'm probably gonna cut him after the preseason, so Lamar Jackson can be the backup quarterback. That makes me sad. You're not, you're not gonna, you're not gonna carry three quarterbacks and have your first rounder be the third guy, especially when he's already expected to take over for Joe Flacco. But keep in whenever. mind, th- this is still RG three we're talking about. I, I know the injuries kind of derailed his career, but when it's he's like healthy, he's actually a really good quarterback. I mean, I still remember the 2012 season. When he yeah, lit up the it, league. It, it's not against RG3. It's more just Baltimore already has a, their plan in place with Lamar Jackson. Then why not just make RG3 the third stringer? Well, they, they won't give him a chance. That's what I'm saying. They won't give him a chance to get a, jo- uh, get a decent spot somewhere else and you know maybe get a solid backup rep somewhere or a spot starter or wherever. So it was nice to see him out there last night. The Bears quarterbacks, I don't have much to say on Chase Daniels, who's been a backup for 10 years mm-hmm. and has yeah. thrown for a total of 480 yards for being in the air for 10 years. <laughs> so miss. 48 yards a year. <laughs> and then uh, the uh, – Todd Bray. Todd Bray, yeah. yeah. yeah he did. Well, I remember, remember him getting drafted a few years ago. He's not, you know, a big thing. I, I wish no. I could have saw Mitchell Trubisky play. I like Mitchell Trubisky. He can play, but didn't for the first preseason The Ravens' game. backup yesterday was – I'm not sure what his first name is. Jay Woodrum. Um, threw six for six. Uh, was averaging like seven yards a throw. Decent. N- not bad. Yeah, if, I mean, uh, Lamar Jackson went four for ten and had less yards. That's and, not great. No, not great. And, and RG3 and a pick. RG3 had a pick, and he was seven for 11. 
But, but really, it was fun about the Hall of Fame game last yeah. night. Was seeing everyone, the Hall of Fame inductees. Mm-hmm. Seeing Brian Urlacher come out there. Uh, the Bears. See, seeing Ray Lewis do the, his, his signature his dance. dance yeah. The Baltimore when he, man. When he was coming out there. Uh, I guess Randy Moss. I guess because they were the two headliners. That's why they did the Bears and the Ravens. Oh, did, yeah. Randy Moss got inducted? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Wait, did they actually put T.O. inducted too? Yeah, yeah. He, he wasn't there. Yeah, he's just not uh, coming. He just wasn't yeah. there. <laughs> what a scrub. So, yeah, they're not even going to – he's not going to get – like T.O. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Make it all about T.O. But whatever the case up, I mean, whatever he wants to do, I'm happy T.O.'s in. He deserves it. He was good. And, of course, Randy Moss, arguably the – you can make an argument he's better than Jerry Rice to be the greatest receiver in history, but I still side with Jerry because of the fact that he never had a lack of attitude or commitment. Well, yeah. I mean, we remember the black hole years for Randy Moss right out in Oakland. Randy Moss is like the Kobe of the NFL. Yeah, yeah. Randy Moss was one of the fastest receivers I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> By far. But you still hear the workout method for Jerry Rice and how other players working out with him would end up puking while he's still running laps. And you're like, wow, this dude is just on another level. Yeah, yeah. He's, on, yeah, he's, he's basically like Usain Bolt of football. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. This is kind of going back real quick, but I just had to point this out because I heard it on the broadcast last night from Al Michaels. You know, when they recently you know, started training camp and stuff and they're doing all the drills and their workouts and their testing, you know, RG3 ran a faster 40 in Lamar Jackson? Interesting. It, 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 it was like a, it was about a tenth of a second faster. So, you know, maybe it could have been, a, you know, there's always, margi- always margin error, of error yeah. there. But still, that RG3 is putting up at the same speed. As Lamar Jackson, I mean, I just thought that was incredible. I mean, I, mean, I still watch it. Three was a he he's was a Heisman early. winner. Yeah, Lamar Jackson's a Heisman winner. RG three back in his day, he was he was like a more improved, accurate Lamar Jackson. They thought he was going to be the next Michael Vick. Yeah, yeah plus RG three, he he was a multi talented athlete. He also ran hurdles, yeah, track, and then you know he had to be flexible to do that. He's and a he, good he's a good athlete. The only problem was his legs just weren't up to the code for the NFL. That, that's what I'm saying. Is impressive through all the injuries, he's still you know this athletic. He's still. Mm-hmm you know, has what made him RG3. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, uh, yeah, I pulled out my two uh, my two more relevant topics, so uh, bring it on here. Hopefully this is one that I'm very excited to bring about. Okay, okay, this is uh, – it's still pertaining to Texas State, of course, the new facilities, better enhanced player and personnel experience. But from our side of things, as both experts and fans, what do you think can be improved from facilities or just anything to better enhance the experience of going to a Bobcat football game, a, a basketball game, or anything? Well, new I, soccer I complex. <laughs> new soccer complex. Noted. Yeah. I believe they should uh, construct a an indoor facility for the football team. They'll mm-hmm. definitely do that. I feel like they can sh- they should construct that because uh, most Division One programs do currently hold a indoor facility, causing them to practice twice a day instead of once. Okay. And it goes for a show. It looks good. It does look yeah, good. It, it's it's kind of weird. Uh, sometimes I've uh, who I heard it from. I think I heard it from Coach Soto, the Rattlers. They have a great indoor facility down there at the high school in San Marcos. What the at, heck? at San Marcos High. I don't, yeah, you, I guess you guys haven't been there. Oh, I, I, I think I've seen it. I They're winners. What can I, I say? This is there. true. This <laughs> they, is what happens when you win. They have, you get a, cool they have stuff. a beautiful indoor facility, a stadium that it does. It looks you know better than a high school stadium, than mm-hmm. your standard high school stadium. And he says, I remember we we're talking about during the uh, during the floods after Harvey kind of came through some floods around here. He, he gets calls at San Marcos High of colleges like Texas State and other schools kind of in the area asking if they can use their indoor facility. Which, you know, it's nice to have that. At the same time, I don't know how great of a look that is. You're going to a you're, high school. You're, you're, yeah. you're like, what, the f- fifth I mean, largest population school in the state of fourth. Texas. Fourth largest fourth, populated yeah. school in the state of Texas. A D1 school, FBS, and you got to use the local high schools. 
facility. I mean, Sad. to be fair, it's really impressive. Oh no, it's it's beyond yeah. impressive. I, and, uh, high school shouldn't even have then this. I don't so, think no. Then yeah, <laughs> why not? I'm telling you, like speaking of facilities, like you need like you need new facilities. You need like a one equipment. I mean, I'm telling you, that makes a huge difference because the players really love like new equipment, new addition. Like they love like the locker rooms looking all kind like kind of like Texas A&M for example. Texas A&M's locker room is like one of the best. I'd say one of the best in Texas. I don't know about the nation, but it could be. And so I'm telling you, if you if you hold currently hold better equipment, better facilities, the players and recruits are going to love it, and they're going to feel more at home. And you know, a lot of them you can you can I guess you can call that a bunch of prima donnas. But I don't know if you've ever uh, <laughs> driven through Abilene before, but um, it's a five A high school and there's a six A high school, and Abilene High is known to for their winning, especially back in the day, and they were the first. Uh, marching band ever i'm ever ever oh, oh, that's it i think it's like ever to do something i think just like ever i was yeah. waiting oh. first marching band ever <laughs> wow. and i don't think it's like high school i think yeah i think it's ever um but we we used to play at shotwell and shotwell is about as big as texas state stadium interesting and our and acu uh, abilene christian university used to play there they just got their whole like a new field and that's pretty uh ba but um no yeah these are two high schools play at this uh field and it's like sunken in it's one of those that they like removed earth to make kind of um if that makes sense it's really bad when it floods but um anywho yeah same thing happened for uh, my hometown in katie the katie isd constructed a new stadium last year no that's katie yeah and uh you know katie high school the katie tigers they are like Really, really, like really good football. That's they beat Steel in a lot of semifinals over the years. That's yeah, the national championship very upset about game that. I went to. Was yeah, I don't think they can beat out. Katie. See, I think Allen personally probably has the best facilities out mm-hmm. of the uh, entire state of Texas. It did until it got cracked. Their their stadium, oh. their mm-hmm. that massive stadium they built, that's bigger than all the university stadiums out there mm-hmm. in Allen. It's the, at the foundation, it started cracking. It was uh, the the land it was built on was not good. So that building. So all that winning's busting them up a little bit, right? I guess so, because I remember, because I'm, you know, I'm, fr- I'm kind of from that area. I'm about 45 minutes from Allen. I've been mm-hmm. there a couple of times. I saw the stadium, magnificent. Yeah, I'm it's sure it's pretty huge. sad when I remember Never hearing something that. about that. I know we're running kind of low on time, Peyton. I know you got a topic you want to get oh, to. Oh goodness! And uh, I think my I think my topic here is gonna it's gonna tie in very very well. Okay, so uh, cool. to give me the final ring here, <laughs> sorry to jump over anybody, oh, you're but ching. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to bring this one up. Is the pressure to win too much for college football, and is it ruining morals pertaining to this Urban Meyer situation of how he's been brought in to turn this program into a winner and apparently to the point that he might overlook the flaws of his coaches? Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent because they don't get paid to lose. And if, if, you're, a, if you're a coach, if, whether it's Urban Meyer, whether it's Nick Saban, whether it's the weird dude from UT – Tom they, Herman? Yeah, Tom Herman. Uh, they, like, you saw what happened to Mac Brown. Gone. Whoosh, right oh, out the door. Yeah. They gave him the broom. Boom. Because he was losing. Urban Meyer has built this this uh, aura or this thing for himself that is only matched, like, by Nick Saban, really. It's them two with these winning schedules. Uh, I mean, starting at, it was, what, it was Utah, and then he went to... Florida and won two national titles with Tim Tebow. Exactly. Uh, drafted all these good players that were NFL bound. I mean, good quote unquote. But they were good enough to get drafted. This is true. They're good football players. Morally, no, probably not. But I do think the 
the getting caught up in that whole winning thing is a problem and like it even happens in BMS like you, you know the typical stereotypical high or, uh, college football uh, show but um, going back more on topic yeah yeah i did I yeah did. i got that right away <laughs> um, i wasn't sure that's what he meant but yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I got it. yeah i did but um <laughs> if you have a system if you have things that work and you don't want them to change then you'll do anything to protect that whether it's not snitching on your coach because he treats his wife very badly very uh, badly very badly he hits her wouldn't expect uh, that to happen i guess in public too like uh if he knows to about the point it, that yeah. all the wives knew about it all the coaches wives were telling her you shouldn't be in this relationship it's toxic she also probably should have done something for herself so why aren't all the coaches wives uh like getting investigated because i don't I, they didn't ever were told because anybody, they're not the they? ones in charge of a program Okay, so that's... I and mean, you know that's why. I know, yeah. but at the same time, like, if you're somebody's boss and, look and at you know something is going on, yes, and you just, you feel it's wrong, and yeah, and honestly, if this has been going on for a long time now, so uh, it, there's a little column A, a little column B, but if, if you want to put it down to the baseline, yeah, he's in big trouble. No, I don't think he should uh, go down the toilet, but I've seen coaches go down the toilet for a lot less uh, Jim Trestle, for example. Yeah, Jim Trestle, but uh, we get back to it. Of course, his uh, defensive coordinator, Greg Schiano, got social media shunned out of a head coaching job mm-hmm. at Tennessee. Yeah. I, I, and that's a good head coaching job to have, Tennessee job. Yeah, yeah. I, I know there were a lot of jokes that now they're kind of a dumpster fire, and they're trying to figure that out. Of course, they, they rebounded back nicely, getting the defensive coordinator for the national championship winning Alabama Crimson Tide, Jeremy, Jeremy Pruitt. So I feel like Tennessee is on the right track, but they only come up. Yeah, their basketball team's still really good. Well, I, oh yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Lincoln Riley becomes one of the highest paid coaches pretty soon. Oh yeah, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised. First year, first takes year, him to the national yeah. semifinal. Yeah, exactly. he deserves the money. Yeah, you thought you know they called him Big Game Bob. I mean, he was reason why they called him Bob's Big Game Bob. See, we need lose. a coach like that. Yeah, he would lose, but this thing <laughs> we ain't getting a coach like okay, that. Okay, so Urban Meyer gets fired, right? And then Texas <laughs> State picks him up. What y'all think? Urban Meyer, that's like a downgrade for him though. Big time. Oh, of but course, like, it's a downgrade. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> but, but if Urban, he has something to prove, uh, yeah, he I mean, can take a, oh, you, you a would rather win ten team. Yeah, he could turn around. Finals? He could think about it because think about it, Urban Meyer. Just just that name alone will just cause all the players just like to just breathe. No, no, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, like that that name alone will just put all kinds of motivation in the players. That like, and do you know how many good recruits we might get? Oh, exactly. <laughs> Urban Meyer coming to Texas State and then actually could generate more views for. But the program. But once again, you could get that same backlash that Greg Schiano got at Tennessee. Greg Schiano didn't get that Tennessee job because the reports were when he was at Penn State with and Penn Rutgers State, at Rutgers too. But when he was at Penn State with uh, Jerry Sandusky, Tim, Sandusky and, and Joe Paterno, I'm getting there. And Joe Paterno mm-hmm. uh, that that he had knowledge of you know some of the mm-hmm. things happening, but he denied Which it, denied, denied it, horrid. Those are worse. Yeah. <laughs> he denied it, denied it, denied it, and that's why people are saying, "Hey, we don't want him at Tennessee. We don't want this guy uh, representing our, you know, our school and our football team." Because he's got a record. Exactly. So I feel like Urban Meyer, you know, is in territory of kind of falling into that same ter- of falling into that same category. Because this isn't the first time that apparently he's overlooked player faults. I mean, mm-hmm. Aaron Hernandez went to Florida when Urban Meyer was the coach there, and and Cam he was Newton a great player went to Florida when he was stealing, uh, and then transferred to stuff. Auburn. And boom, won them a national title. But you see the difference yeah. here in the fact what that Ur- Urban Meyer's player history is like the, the talent is good, the mm-hmm. characters not so much. And yeah. the Bose, look at the Bose uh, brothers. 
There's another some, one. There's some crazy kids. Oh, uh, but I guess that's a little bit uh, a couple days ago. Now, what I happened two hours ago is apparently Ohio State is targeting Bob Stoops. I did Stoops. Mm, I heard that, someone rumor see, that yesterday. That's, that really surprised me because mm-hmm. I, when Bob Stoops retired from Oklahoma, that I shocked figured, me. You know, I, it, it didn't big. really shock me because he did say like about ten years ago he did say that his father was the head coach for a high school and his father died from a heart attack from stress. Mm-hmm. And then that that uh, I guess. As time passed, Bob Stoops started to worry about his own health because he's getting older, obviously. Man, Ohio State much have, must but have like, had a hell Stoops, of a pitch. If Stoops shows up, I, that'll really that'll really surprise me because I thought Stoops was done for good. Like, No matter what school would try to pick him up. I mean, June 7, 2017, he says, I'm officially retired. Yeah. Like he's walking away from coaching. But I guess sometimes you can't take the love of the game out of a coach and you kind of get that, that old feeling again. I mean, just yeah, like, he's been coaching for decades. Just like mm-hmm. when Urban Meyer left Florida. Yeah, exactly, exactly I right. He, he was, well, I thought he was done. He took a year or two off. Boom, because his off family was telling him, you are too focused on football. Like, you got to take care of the other parts of your life. You're neglecting every other part of your life wasn't, to focus on football. Wasn't healthy. No. He, heart, he was stressing. Time, right? Yeah, he was stressing yeah, he so much. And the condition when he found out that Ohio State wanted to hire him was his daughters asked him, you've got to make time away from football. Otherwise, we're not going to support you to go and get this job because you're just going to fall back into old habits. Oh, now he's going to have plenty of time away from football. Looks yeah. like. Again, it's early. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. true. We don't know. Again, we'll see. It's probably in the next three weeks that they finally release some it stuff. Makes me wonder how Nick Saban does it. Nick, Nick Saban will win, the, he'll win the national championship, oh, yeah. and the next day he's on the phone with recruits. Yeah. He, he does not take time off. No. I don't think he's a that's human. The, that's, the reason why, that's the reason why he's one of the best coaches. <laughs> he's arguably the best he coach is. in history. Yeah, best yeah. college football head coach ever. Yeah. The title for this podcast is 11.1 million Nick Saban is an android. Is why? an android. <laughs> and when. Sleep he's, is he's not, not an schedule. apple. Sleep is not as no. Oh, oh, not an apple. He's an android. <laughs> you, can, you, can compare, you can compare Nick Saban to Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, and uh, you can also compare him to P. Diddy because those guys also don't get any sleep. So <laughs> they don't get no sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Winning has a has a very particular habit. You don't take time off from trying to be a winner because once you learn it, Coach Withers, I'm going to quote him here. Do. Winning is like a drug. You want more of it. Like you get that hit and you just want to get it the next week and the next week and the next week. He said this after their second win over Coastal Carolina, his first ever conference win. And it was the best quote I think I've ever heard Coach Withers give because not only was it different from what he normally says, but it was also, it was a little more emotional. He was happy. He was giddy talking about it. And I never thought I'd hear a coach actually quote like winning compared to a drug that you need to get a hit off of every week. It makes sense. Nick Saban's, Nick Saban's addicted. Yeah, he's <laughs> addicted to winning. Yeah. I mean, he's lost 20 games in 11 years. Holy That's extremely God. impressive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's man. nuts. Yeah, and he's gone from programs like LSU took them to a national title, so it's not like he's only been good because he's been out at Alabama. This dude could have had a future in the NFL if he stayed in Miami. In fact, I remember NFL's way too stressful. But you look at Pete Carroll, that was a good example. It was. Mm-hmm. I mean, he dodged the trouble that came at a USC by taking the Seattle job. A lot of people yeah. feel he took that job because he didn't want to deal with the backlash that was going to hit the Trojans pretty soon for the neglect that he let happen under his watch. And it's not <laughs> now the <laughs> Legion of Boom is being taken over. It's no longer the Legion of Boom, it's the Legion of Busted. It's very busted. Yeah. yeah. They had their run, and of course, it it's just it's just like when Chip Kelly came to UCLA. That's when Pete Carroll knew it was the end of his reign in the Pac-12 West. Now these innovative head coaches, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, re-innovating San Francisco and Los Angeles, and they're kicking them out all over again. So it might be time for Pete Carroll to retire. 
But yeah, uh, guys, he's been going at it for a while. We got we got four minutes left. Any final thoughts you want to share before we end this podcast? I guess I did have a question. I guess what are your thoughts on uh, Blake Griffin's uh, situation? <laughs> She's making more money than Isaiah Thomas this <laughs> next year. That's that's, that's, that's my favorite thing. Said she, that she better be able to come off the bench to be a six man. Yep. <laughs> Which one do you want? Do you want uh, the one about Jerry Jones or do you want the one about uh, Kaepernick? Can we not talk about Jerry Jones? <laughs> so then let's if, go with. It's too stressful. I'm wearing a cowboy uh, shirt okay, right now. So, uh, you don't want to disrespect one of your uh, thoughts, co-workers. Thoughts <laughs> about um, Kaepernick's name getting taken out of Madden 19. On to, to clarify, his, his Big Sean song. Yeah, and he has a song, and he says Kaepernick in there. And they bleeped it out. And yep. then Big Sean took it to Twitter, added EA Sports, said, "I didn't agree to this. This is not cool." And then, and then they and hours went on later, a whole apologizing. Hours, thing. Yeah, hours later, they uncensored it. But I'm like. Why he's you not have to, exactly like someone had to have went in there from a, like someone telling them, hey, I need this taken out. It's going to cause too much yeah. controversy. Yeah, it had to go through multiple people for you to not say a person's name in a song. He's not Voldemort. No one not, not convicted. <laughs> he not, is, yeah, not yeah, convicted. He's not, exactly. he's not like Satan or anything. <laughs> Man, these past two years have been quite a ride for Colin Kaepernick, dude. But the thing is, he's stirred up and the trouble he's wanted to. Yeah, he's, exactly. He's stayed consistent. It's a good cause. It I mean, really what is. he was doing wasn't a bad thing, but people took it out of just like. This anthem thing is now being put in the context of he doesn't respect the military when he's come out and said this is not what this is about. What's funny is how this whole thing started was uh, a disabled veteran on the sidelines told him Mm -hmm. to do. He asked him, yo, what would what would be appropriate? Like, what would be a good idea to try and, you know, just silently protest like uh, police brutality? And he said kneeling during the national anthem would be good. And then it just well because the first time Kaepernick sat during it yeah and, and then mm-hmm. the veteran kind of spoke out and said hey maybe don't there's sit a better during way it. yeah, yeah and Kaepernick was like please way. enlighten me I'll do whatever let me know and so he told him to take the knee and just some people don't but you don't hear that story you don't hear that, that story dude. Well, he has he has a lot of guts which is funny because that is a good story that is a truthful and quality story but nobody wants it yeah, you can just incorporate that into future which doesn't make any sense i don't i don't get media these days i don't no. get why they don't want well, to well you're about to get into it buddy i know that's what i'm saying but i guess it. i will figure it out more <laughs> long but why don't you want to report the truth why don't you want to like give exact details why is it on a headline it's about some bs so it's clickbait and then it, you click on it and it's a completely different story you know what i'm saying uh Oh, That's but I guess the, like they, the whole kneeling during the national anthem thing—it was just about Jerry Jones telling his players uh, that they're cut. And then there's like a video of him like you can't even not be on the talking field during the national anthem and then like mm. not taking wearing off a his hat. hat. Yeah, he, he didn't take off his hat. Like stuff. what a hypocrite! Exactly. Yeah. Uh, after even being told like, "Hey, like you have your hat on," he goes, "Whatever." Yeah, just like okay. I mean, it's not a big deal. I actually don't care. I see tons of people keep their hats on at games. And he's at practice, like personally. It's not a I silently thing. shun those people, because again, at the same time, I do. I mean, because if I mean, it's just like a conscious thing. Uh, you just think, hey, come on, bro, take. But after you say something about it to your players, I'm, I think you probably should. Yeah, stick to you're the, making them do it. Stick to the two rules. Why does mm-hmm. the rule not apply to you? Because you made it. But uh, yeah, what what is truth in media? What is life? We'll answer these questions next week for episode three. Stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned for uh, Texas State Spit Talk. That's another edition in the books, guys. I got to say, it was a it was a pretty fun show. But for uh, Peyton Hill, Mark Brown, Brendan Snow, I'm Riley Chestnut. Be sure to tune in and catch us every Monday publishing another episode of Texas State Spit Talk on Texas State Student Media SoundCloud. And of course, sharing it on the KTSW Sports Twitter page as well as our own personal social media sites. But for that, thank you, and have another great week, guys.